1: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the 2018 MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. Our review of round 9 and preview of round 10. This episode is brought to you by the PK Academy. Teaching players how to keep their shirts on and (laughs) shots under the bar. Uh, No, no. uh, Actually... It's brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the awesome subreddit community of R slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly, and tonight I'm joined by regular co-hosts Blaine Riffle and Michael Denton. And we'd like to welcome our special guest, Parker Cleveland. How is everyone tonight?
0: Hello there. Doing, well.
1: Doing great, yeah. Great. Uh well, Parker, I didn't plug the the various um, outlets you're you're part of. I know you're at Dirty South Soccer. Is there anything else?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, right over at uh, Stars and Stripes FC.
1: So there we go. Check out some of those sources if you want to hear more from Parker. Uh, I I'm really happy we had Parker on tonight because last week he actually sent a question in and that was why is Atlanta United the best team in MLS and my response to him was well why don't you just come on the show next week and explain that yourself so (laughs) uh, maybe not right now but I think well whenever we get down to our breakdown we'll give Parker uh, a chance to explain why uh his team is the best team and i don't know if blaine and mike will take offense to that um, maybe maybe mike could at this point blaine i don't think you're in the the top three but you guys are climbing uh, but um
0: this team's forward. gonna make mls cup by default i don't know why he's that <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's see here uh well let's get on to uh talking about round nine guys uh, how'd your teams do mike
0: Oh, uh, they won. I mean they beat beat Dallas 3-1. Uh yeah. Uh, oh no, my fantasy team was awful. Uh 80 points. Um my defenders all whiffed, my transfer all swift or whiffed, and then I brought in Ladero and he whiffed even harder than the <laughs> Otteru options I had. So uh yeah, I mean it starts up front. I mean Joseph Martinez got six, but was clearly hoping for a lot more. At least I capped in Homer on uh, Vela and Zardes with duds, Roussel, dud. Yeah, just pretty much a whole bunch of duds other than Captain Almiron, which I think redeemed it from being like a terrible, terrible score. So I dropped like 50 ranks, I think. Blank? Alas.
2: Yeah, I'm not happy with the way this week went, Um, which might be a surprise for some people. Last week I plugged Vancouver hard for the clean sheet. was talking about Marinovich and Shea, and I got cold feet talking to Jay right before the – right before the round locked. I was really big on show league with RSL.
0: You you talked to an RSL homer before Vancouver? (laughs) No, that's a
2: bad idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I mean, this doesn't look good for me. Um, Overall, to get Ramondo and Rusnak in, who I thought were going to have good games against that uh, weekend Vancouver side, I traded off like 32 points worth and didn't get anything in return for it, really. I mean, Rusnak got me five, but... Dropped way too many players, so all that said, you people need to listen to me when I say some of these random crazy things that everybody (laughs) looks at me like I'm stupid, and I need to listen to myself a little more often because that one cost me big. I lost every head-to-head game because of it.
1: So we have a rule in bar trivia whenever I go out and play, and that is if you provide an answer but don't uh, support yourself, then you can't brag about getting it right later on. And I feel like we're treading out of that territory right now.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I've, I freely admit I'm an idiot on this one. <laughs>
1: uh, no, but that was a great call. I know we had uh, talked about a lot of potential clean sheets last week, and uh, several of them who, who we – tapped were just barely able to not keep a clean sheet but there were only three and yeah vancouver was one of those rare ones from last week so good call if people did listen to blaine how else did your team do besides that
2: uh 71 points lost every head-to-head match so (laughs) not great
1: parker oh
3: yeah um i'm surprised you guys invited me on after the week i had um i managed 66 points which is, I think, the lowest I've had um, this season so far. Um, it was just one of those weeks where just none of the picks seemed to work. Um, none of my forwards kind of got over, over like, six points, and I had who just had two. And then um, uh, my highest-scoring defender was Brex J. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of that the week that I had. Um, missed the captain pick. I, sh- I should have gone with Elmiron. I, I kind of was was going big with Joseph Martinez. I thought that he might have had a bigger week with um, Cabrera out for uh, Montreal, but it didn't shake out that way. Um, I was also kind of a little bit busier and running around this weekend. Usually I like to do some some switcheroos and at least do a keeperoo, and that didn't happen uh, this week also, so that I think kind of drove my points down a little bit, so...
1: Well, clearly the reason I have you all here tonight is because I got 84 points, and so I'm the big winner with this little group here. Uh, no, uh, I, I feel like every— This is every sad.
0: We week, should just quit. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: no, I think Parker nailed it. It's, it's just one of those weeks where a lot of things didn't happen, and when we look at— um,
0: on, on on one of our chats, I termed this the, wait, who scored week?
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and it's not just San Jose. Like it, it it's just that <laughs> effect over everybody. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Atlanta dropped a point. We were talking about them doing pretty well, and Sporting Kansas City had uh, that that goal that that came through. Some questions there uh, for them. New York City dropped a point, which I think Phil is is out in his world, being like, "I told you so." But like a lot of these little things that just just slipped in and, and shattered those defensive <clears throat> points that didn't happen for us. Um, I'm, I'm like you, uh, Breck Shea was my second highest scoring player because I did have Almiron, but one of my highest scoring non-captain players there, he and Higuain came in. But uh, Martinez, Vela, Zardes all did not really show up for me as well up front. I did uh, do a switcheroo because I, I saw I had Mueller and Zardes on the bench coming in with two and three points. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a flyer. And if and if L.A. goes crazy, I'm going to put in Ozzy Alonso. Well, they got me four so that was that was better but uh <laughs> it was it was positive it was positive but yeah rough rough round the, the average was 61.5 points so i feel for people um if you hit triple digits you did you did really well this past round uh, even in our head-to-head league which i'll get to in a second we only had one player hit triple digits so it was just a rough week in general even at the top Levels of the league. Um, I, I think I stayed fairly steady, Mike, like you, I don't really know without the green arrows. I'm not in red arrows. I'm not really sure. Still in that like mid 200 range. So, um, so interesting round, a uh, fun round. Lots of goals do make for, for some great soccer. Let's break down though, what you can take away from round nine, fantasy perspective, starting up north, uh, still without Kai Kamara, Vancouver ends their three-game losing streak, beating Real Salt Lake two to zero. Uh, but don't celebrate too much, or you'll end up getting a red card like chera did. Um Yeah, that's kind of the dumbest red card I think you can possibly get um, whatever, but so more red cards up in Vancouver, uh, but without Kamar, Shea still remains one of the highest, the highest scoring, actually Vancouver white caps, um, but he's not really consistent enough for the fantasy production. So beware great off the bench. Like we had this time, but not necessarily one to go with uh, both Vancouver and our, so really continue to only offer fantasy managers, mostly bench switcheroo options. Um. Starting XI, the starting 11 regular Almiron gave us an expected performance, I would say, 15 points, 30 if you captain him. Very nice. Martinez, as we already mentioned, came up short against Montreal's bunker. Uh, I think we probably saw some of that coming, but as Parker will get to later on, he'll tell us why that just can't stop Atlanta. Uh, but I hope he will back me up here when I say don't be too quick to jump on the Kratz train uh, because <laughs> he's just – like this is a fluke. First, first goals of the season. I think he had an assist earlier on. Uh, so don't look at this as some sort of cheap option. Do keep an eye though on Barco. Uh, he's down to eight million now, but he and he continues to get excellent passes. So they're not connecting yet for goals, but I believe he got two bonus points from making six key passes. So this is definitely a guy to keep on top of. Remember, Barco watch was there for a reason. Don't uh, don't get stealth when he comes back in and start scoring those big points. Uh, Philly still took 23 shots against DC this weekend, and they scored three goals, which is exactly what is supposed to happen when you're taking that many shots. Um, But what you don't want to happen is when DC scores two of the four shots that they took. So a nice increase in stock, I think for CJ Sapong going forward, if you were kind of cooled off on Philadelphia, uh, but if you were, I think like a few of us, were still holding out on our hopes, not so much as a source of cheap defender options, especially with clean sheets being so rare. Uh, moving down to Columbus, they also ended their winless streak with a 2-1 win over San Jose, and uh, that was thanks to a goal by Mike Grella, and I really liked that Grella scored because I really liked him at D.C., and I just never really thought that he got the time that I felt like his abilities uh, allowed, uh, or, or demanded, or I would have liked to have seen him do, but he was a, a late sub coming on from Columbus this time, and he scored the game-winning goal. Could be a good fantasy option, especially if he sees more time at a sub $8 million price. Uh, and speaking of value players, New England's Teal Bunbury bagged another goal this weekend against Sporting Kansas City. I'm sure Blaine would like to talk more about that in a moment. Uh, that's four goals in five games, though, and he's also under $8 million as a midfielder, so that's one to keep an eye on for those value options. Uh, it was a, It's a tough game, though. I think Blaine will agree about that, but what I took away from this is that both of these defenses have some up to them. I know we were slow on Kansas City at the beginning, but things seem to be turning around for them, and New England actually seems to be getting some things together as well uh, with some good defensive options going forward under the right situations. Uh, a defense I don't like, though. Uh, Houston at home or on the road um, from that Minnesota-Houston game. I, I think it's it's all what we expected. When you think Minnesota and when you think Houston, you still need to think Quintero and Ellis. That's that's just the way it has to be. Uh, I, I love this game. Parker and I were talking about it a little bit before it started. Um, the normal people are scoring for the LA Galaxy and the New York Red Bulls, just not when they're on my team, and uh, that's that's maddening. But I did not realize this until I – I don't know if it was – if I was reading Ben Barrett no, or uh, Matt Doyle's article or listening to Extra Time Radio, this is the first time I, fle- I think Zlatan said that he has been on a team that has lost three consecutive home games. That's crazy. And, Parker, your comment to that was about the coaching. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just – it's it's incredible
3: and it's surreal that he's being coached by Siggy Schmidt. But- <laughs> It, it's just, like, I just can't imagine them standing in practice and, like, so he kind of, like, walking up to him with his hands on his big belly and, like, you know, shuffling <laughs> yeah. around and pointing to him about where to go in the game and stuff, and Zlatan, you know, who, who like, famously hated playing for Pep Guardiola is, like, listening to this guy and is, like, is like I'm Zlatan Ibrahimovic. There's no <laughs> I'm doing what I want. <laughs> I will tell you what I do.
1: I got called out on Twitter for uh, mispronouncing his name. And so I've, I've been trying to do better with, I believe Zlatan is, is the better pronunciation, but I, I don't want people to feel like they can start calling us out on Twitter to have us pronounce people's names correctly, because then we have to pronounce everybody's name correctly. And I just don't know if that's the direction creatively people want to see the show go. <laughs> um, the other option that Parker suggested is that we just start using nicknames for the names that we can't pronounce. Um, so we've got, uh, I guess zebra. Can we just go with him? Is that, is that what that we were thinking, Zebraham? Zebrahim? Zebraham. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's still crazy. Uh, even though they didn't win, um, Zlatan still got two assists, so still production coming out of that man right there. Uh, more production still out of Orlando and New York City FC. They're still performing as fantasy managers would expect. Uh, it's great to see that consistency for Orlando on the road. They're one of the few road teams I think fantasy managers can look at as potentially giving them some, some points with question uh, and Yotun and, and Merrim at times with a fantastic little backheel in this round. Um, Mueller is, is a good bench option. He's cheap. Not always going to get that production as we saw this last round. And finally, uh, the most disappointing game for me, LAFC. They pretty much almost dropped the ball in their home opener if it was not for that stoppage time winner by Simon, which I don't think many people saw coming right there. Uh, yeah, so fantasy managers, keep an eye top top out on that top. Seattle defense. There could be some budget options right there. So what did I leave out? Comments, <laughs> questions, insults?
2: uh the dumb that's the second dumbest red card you can get with to is taking your shirt off <laughs> after a penalty so what's the dumbest, the dumbest one of, then? the dumbest one i've ever seen is getting subbed out and taking your shirt off before crossing the touchline. okay <laughs> you on your way now, off the field
0: now, now wait a minute i'm gonna raise you josie altidore's red card from the i bench. was just
2: thinking that one yeah
1: <laughs> Or what about red cards in the tunnel for fighting? I don't know.
0: Well, I mean if that's fighting. You're standing up for your teammate. That one at least like I mean makes sense. But I mean so. for, especially when you're celebrating a PK goal. That's like you just scored a goal with seventy five percent chance that was like awarded to you by the ref. Like get over yourself.
2: I mean, if it wins you the supporter shield and it secures that, you take your shirt off. But Yeah,
0: or if, you know, you score in a CCL final, which, you know, unless... <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> I, was,
3: I was waiting for him to do a VAR on it to make sure that... <laughs>
0: the off
3: you really take
1: his shirt off? And Yeah. <laughs> so if you miss your PK... If I mean when that happens, sometimes maybe sort of. And if you put your shirt over your head in like disgrace, is that still a red card or is that just understandable shame?
0: I don't know, but I'm surprised Michael Bradley didn't find out because I, I can <laughs> see that. I mean, that's a CCL thing to do to give him like a post red card. That'd be suspended for the next six CCL.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was a heartbreaker. I was watching that game, and uh, my wife was sleeping in the other room. And every now and then, just things I, I just couldn't help but. But make a noise, and she kept waking up, being like, Are you okay? I'm, I'm like, No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. I,
0: I pounded the table at that uh, Delgado miss. I was just like, What? How did you miss that? It was like two minutes before the end where he had that wide open shot. Was it before yeah. then, or was
1: it in stoppage time? I thought,
0: Yo, see, so yeah, yeah, in stoppage time. Yeah, it was like 91, 92 minutes.
1: Uh, yeah, okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Like, but I
0: mean, uh, yeah, TFC hard were hard. gasped by that point, but they got a good run. Givinko had a pretty ball in.
1: Well, I mean, that's – I do I do remember this was on ex, the latest Extra Time Radio that I listened to, and, I mean, you had guys who weren't used to playing 90 minutes of soccer having to go 90 minutes down in Mexico. And, I mean, it happened. I mean, half your team's injured. Everybody else isn't able to hit that fitness mark. What even uh, – I mean, Josie had to come off at the very end. I mean, it was, it was just a perfect storm of, of catastrophe for them. But still the greatest team in MLS history that's
0: that for now for now for now <laughs> we'll we'll talk about
1: that let's let's have that go right into it uh there's some debate last week about uh, the greatest team in mls at least currently right now uh three teams i think are in contention and parker is here right now to tell us why that answer should be atlanta
2: well i
3: mean they're they're leaving the eastern conference in points for game um so I mean that right there the scoreboard doesn't lie and then uh, I mean on top of that I think that they've just done really well just kind of integrating all the all the pieces into their lineup um, and Tata Martino's definitely been a little bit more adaptable with with the formations that he's put out I think last year we kind of saw that you know he he kind of ran out of a 4 that played a little bit like a four three three, 3 and he just wanted to keep the same <laughs> 11 players in the lineup week in and week out. And, you know, because of injuries and some other things this year, you know, you've kind of seen a little bit more of Atlanta's depth where, um, you know, he's been able to kind of find a use for Chris McCann, um, who, if you kind of, if you take away that Houston game has been great kind of playing left center back and and left, uh, left wing back a little bit, um, for him when the, the kind of situation calls for it. Um, He's really shifted to that that three five two formation. Um, that's been a lot more successful for him this year. Uh, I think last year they let in, they played it twice, and they let in five goals across the two games. Um, so this year they're they've kind of figured out how to get a little bit more defensive cohesion out of that. And then I think that also you're going to see them get better and better as Ezekiel Barco kind of works his way into the lineup and and gets a little bit more comfortable with the timing and everything with his teammates. Um, I I think that they had a really bad preseason um, and they, it just, it just showed in the Houston game and then when Barco got injured, um, you know, they kind of had to go back and start from square one again with working him back in the lineup. Um, And we really still, um, because of the injury to like Tito Villalba, haven't seen the, uh, Atlanta put out their best 11 yet, um, which I think should really uh, scare the living daylights out of the rest of the MLS because I think that if if uh, they're able to kind of go back and um, I think that they're going to work a little bit more towards building possession as opposed to just kind of pressing and jumping on teams in transition um, kind of as they're healthier, um, I think that they'll, they'll kind of uh, think that the, the race in the East is going to be great with, with Atlanta and NYCFC, um, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they're able to catch them. Um, I think New York really hurt themselves by, by losing in, um, in Portland, and uh, the, the um, game this weekend is going to be huge for, for both New York teams, really. So um, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, you're teasing the the derby right there. Uh, a couple of derbies coming up this weekend, I have to say. Uh, Mike, I'll give you a few seconds right now just to respond, being the representative of the only other of the three teams uh, contending for that best title right now. Um, why is New York City FC the best and not Atlanta?
0: Uh, well, <clears throat> Parker said the, the scoreboard doesn't lie, But when New York City Coming off a shortened week, played Atlanta. Atlanta couldn't get the win, and the table doesn't lie either. And right now, the table's got New York City uh, up front. I think right now, the difference between New York City and Atlanta, if you're looking at you know who's the best right now, uh, look at the resumes. Uh, New York City has probably what's the best win of the year, which is a win at Sporting Kansas City. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to do in MLS is to go cross, cross country and get a win. Then they also got the win at Atlanta, and that's it's a big deal. You know, if we're talking Shield race or uh, playoff positioning to drop uh, home points. Uh, New, York, New York City did that against Atlanta while on a, a shortened week. They had a midweek game um, and had had David Villa hurt, had Ring hurt, um, overcame a lot of obstacles to get that. And I think it's just the, the resume. Atlanta doesn't have a real marquee win. Uh, I can't really fault them for that. The schedule's been pretty soft for them, and they've done what they should do, which is to just absolutely obliterate these lesser teams. Um, but I, I think we haven't really seen Atlanta tested with some some good hard matchups. I mean, right now their best win, I think, is probably on the road against the Galaxy, um, which I don't think is really all that great for all the reasons for Siggy Smith that we said. Um, and I think I, I think New York City's probably a deeper team than Atlanta. Um, I'm kind of worried about Atlanta going forward if they have any more injuries. If they sell Almirón because he's been doing so well, I'm kind of wouldn't be surprised if he leaves in the summer. But uh, I mean, as of right now, you know, for fantasy purposes, I mean, unless they're facing each other, I'm I think you're definitely looking at both of these teams to to pick up
1: core fantasy players right there. And I
0: would also say there's two teams in the conversation, not three.
1: Oh, you're uh, you're throwing Toronto out.
3: I mean, until, the, until Toronto can do – I mean, can actually write the ship and, and get these points that they should be getting, I have to agree with that. Um, I
0: mean, and the thing is, I think they've cost themselves too much in CCL. I mean, we'll talk about the injuries in, in a second, but they've lost a lot of easy points. I mean, I know there were Western Conference road trips, but at Houston, at Colorado, whereas like New York City and Atlanta are racking up a bunch of West away wins – Um, and plus, I mean, the the injuries that they're having are serious. I don't think they have the depth that they had last year, and the other thing last year that people don't talk about is that Toronto was really outperforming their expected goals last year. Um, So, yeah, they were the greatest team in MLS history, but I think people are just assuming that they're just going to go back to that form and same points per game last year, and I don't think they are.
1: I think you make the valid points right there. Uh, I believe the stat I heard was that last year in seven games – Uh, Toronto had uh, uh, just two or three, uh, maybe it wasn't seven games, but over over the same run of games last year, I guess 10 games, they had seven points and this time they have four points. And so it's just a few points different than they were last year when they ended up winning. So people aren't really thinking this is a time to panic just yet, but you make the great point, Mike, they were outperforming themselves last year and this year, they're coming in with a lot of injury baggage to carry, which brings us right into the housekeeping. Uh, this is round five games. Round five, jeez. This is round ten. <laughs> don't be round five. This is round ten. Uh, games start on Friday at 8 p.m. So don't miss that deadline to make all your transfers and uh, get your at least your switcheroos set with rolling transfers. Uh, teams on a buy this round DC United. So some excellent options there for your roos and switcheroos. Uh, Patreon, love you guys so much. Oh, we got some great stuff coming down the pipeline for you all with uh the star wars episode our may the fourth episode live recording will be on thursday for everyone in our five dollar and up patreon uh donor level Uh, everyone three and one dollar will have access to that exclusively on the next night so on the i guess uh the fourth slash fifth when that when that all drops you'll have access to that exclusively before it goes out to everyone else Uh, But some great stuff coming down there for all of our Patreon members. Love you guys so much for all the support you continue to give us to help providing all of the the prizes and support the the costs that we do have to run the show. Because we do have some costs to get everything, keep all the lights on and keep all the recording bandwidth up and going. If you're interested in becoming a supporter of this show, head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-L-S-F-I to learn more. And May the 4th is my own personal holiday. I'm taking it off from work, so I'm going to try to get all the website stuff finished to get all the names and the brag board up for you guys to uh, see your names emblazoned forever on the MLS Fantasy Boss special Patreon supporter website. So thank you so much. And Mike, the injury news.
0: Okay, well, we'll start with the red card. Uh, Tashera obviously got the red card for taking his shirt off. He'll be suspended for the next match. Uh, let's see. Felcher for the LA Galaxy. Uh, he has a torn pectoral muscle. He's going to be out three to four months. Uh, then let's get to the TFC injuries. Drew Moore is going to be out for a couple of months. Uh, Josie Altador has a hamstring issue. He's going to be out a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm guessing kind of four to six um, based on what they're saying. Maybe a little less. Uh, Mavinga, Zavaleta, and a few others are coming back to TFC, but I I would check the lineup if you're going to use any of them for fantasy. I don't think any of them are 90 minutes fit yet. Uh, Roman Torres had to leave the lineup for Seattle um, after the lineups were announced with a right hamstring strain. Uh, Not sure uh, when he'll be back yet. And... I think that's really it, unless I missed a, another red card. Um, Tajouri for New York City is probably coming back uh, this weekend, coming now. Apara um, struggled with vertigo, but I think he played. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Mike, for that. Uh, a couple of general Reddit questions before we get to our game by game preview. This first one comes from Chicken Bucket FC. There we go. Uh now that we're past the halfway point for this half of the fantasy season, uh if at all does our strategy change to get towards our target finish? Uh so Mike, what do you think your strategy changing now?
0: Um I don't know if the fact that it's at the halfway point changes it. <coughs> but I mean, I'm not looking at prices anymore just because I have so much money at this point. Um and so I'm not really concerned about having a 0.5 decrease because I can pretty much absorb it. So now I'm just really just going to prices. Uh, is, it not, is it Not the prices, the expected points. So um, that's really the only change I've had from the beginning of the year. You know, I'm just kind of trying to pick the best 11 and the best switcheroos and all that.
1: Blaine, Parker, anything different from you guys?
2: I'm not quite as big on the budget right now, but no, even that, with that, I'm going more towards points. Um, I've had a couple of really awful weeks, including this one, and I've fallen down in the standings at this point, I'd be happy to end up with the top 500 and I'm not there right now. So it's all for points and trying to get back into that spot. Uh,
3: I, I'm going to kind of try to focus a little bit more on, on kind of doing these roster moves uh, a little bit more proactively and try to get a little bit more going with the switcheroos and things like that. I think I've been kind of sticking with just, um, You know, on on weeks, if I'm not able to kind of be on top of my team as much, uh, um, you know, sticking with just just an 11 and then keeping scrubs on the bench. And I kind of think that working in those bench players a little bit more and having a little bit more strategy might be a little bit more effective for me.
1: Second question comes from Overscore, and he wants to know how beneficial is it to load up on Friday night? And I've added in Wednesday with the upcoming double game weeks. Players on your bench. Uh, I love seeing their scores early and being able to strategize around that. But I often wish I had a bench spot open later for a risky player. Uh, I'll start out this one since I didn't answer last time. I feel like you can do both. Uh, I do think it's very beneficial to have uh, at least a couple of those guys, one or two on your bench, to try to get some of those early scores if you like the match, like Blaine talked about heavy last week, those Vancouver players versus RSL uh, if you don't have it, I think it's still worth having at least one. But I I like having that bench spot open or the the uh, field spot open myself in case you have to make a change. Like once you see them not performing, um, you can throw in, like uh, in my case, an Alonzo, which got a, an extra point, but you can still make that maneuver. And, and you can even leave that spot open on your bench if you want to try to throw a guy in, like a, a late – AutoRoo option as well so um i i think it's it's still beneficial to have at least two players during a uh, potentially points heavy first friday night or wednesday night game uh, so a, a nice a nice game right there if not i think it's worth at least having one how about you guys
2: yeah, um, I would say the benefits for this are twofold here. Uh, if you go back to the example last week, Marinovinch was not the cheapest of keepers, but he wasn't expensive by any means. But with the way defenders are going, uh, Breck Shea was the other one I was really looking at, and I know a couple Reed and Parker both had him, and he did well for him at five point three. With the way defenders have been playing, that is a huge find right there, and that frees up. You know he's going to auto sub in for your defense now you only need to really have two defenders on the field and you know you're going to get a happy score. So now you can actually shed one of your defenders that you may have had on the field and go, I'll throw them in another switcheroo or autoroo, or you can start saving money at other spots. I know for a guy like Mike, money's not a big issue, but sometimes that extra two to three million, or if you can do that twice is the difference between an eight and nine million midfielder and another premium midfielder that's pushing 11 or 12. So you get those early scores, you see it, you have time to react, but you also really can save a lot of money on the bench that way, knowing who's got what scores already locked up.
1: So, is anybody anti early game players? Just if the matchup's bad. Yeah, I think that's kind of like our, our cheap answer for everything. Well, look at the matchup and see. But I think for this, it really does it doesn't matter. If it looks like it's going to be a bad matchup or even an even matchup, it may not be worth investing a whole lot in maybe, maybe one player.
0: And, and you don't have to, like, box yourself into that first night's game. You know, you can always have – there's always an early Saturday game. You can kind of use that instead if, you know, the Friday night game is not as good and kind of go down the road. Um, I mean, I think you probably just prioritize what is a really good early matchup, you know, if there is one, and just yeah, kind of use point. that.
1: Great point, indeed. And All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for answering those questions, and thanks everyone who submitted the questions online. A couple we didn't answer because I think we're going to try to get those worked into our game-by-game preview. So let's start out with Toronto versus Philly. Mike.
0: All right. Uh, well, uh, you know, they're done with CCL now. Um we talked about all the injuries, uh, and I bagged on them a lot and think they're you know, going to have a lot of problems. Not this week. They're at home against what I think is probably one of the worst teams in the league with one of the youngest defenses in the league. Um, quite frankly, I don't respect Philadelphia, so I think you should load up on Toronto players. I think Giovinco is a captain uh, pick for this week. Uh, I know he's, tr- he's kind of struggled a little bit without Josie, but I don't think Philadelphia's defenders are going to be able to do anything with him. Um, not a whole lot of great options in midfield. I guess we'll see if Vasquez uh, plays. That may be a spot for um, some Auderous. Um, but I, you know, I think Bono for keeping you know, a keeperu is is a great choice this week. See if he they can keep the clean sheet. Um, I mean, just because Philadelphia scored against uh DC doesn't really give me a whole lot of confidence that that's their their offensive chain uh problems are solved. So uh, I think Toronto wins this probably three nothing. Wow.
1: Parker, Montreal versus New England. Yeah.
3: Um, so, I mean, kind of looking at this one, I think it should be interesting. New England's um, kind of really been a, a surprising team, I think, uh, to this point in the season. Um, and it it kind of seems like they've uh, even tried pressing a lot more than than they did last year. Um, and it looked like just watching Montreal the last couple of weeks that they... Um, you know, they they kind of had a good game plan against Atlanta, but it just sort of fell apart in the end. Um, but they're really not looking to kind of possess the ball or anything. Um, so, kind of where you have this this pressing New England team, and then a Montreal team that that more wants to counter anyway. Um, I think that it'll be interesting to see if they just give New England the ball and see if uh, they can they can break them down again. Um, But, you know, they've let in nine goals in the last two games. Um, Still, I think that Piotti should have a good game against New England um, and get some chances on the counter, especially if uh, Montreal is able to get back that defensive cohesion that they had in the first 70 minutes uh, against Atlanta. And then, um, you know, I definitely think that they can frustrate New England. um, But I think that I I don't see a clean sheet for either team in this one. I I think that this one ends up, um, you know, 2-2 or 2-1. Um, as far as kind of, uh, your picks, I think you're going to be looking at Piotti. um, uh, Jason Vargas, uh, for Montreal. Also, um, he's been pretty good for them this year and, and he's a little bit of a uh, less expensive option, uh, compared to Piotti if you're looking for one of their attackers. Um, and then with, uh, New England, I think, uh, you're looking, you know, their forwards, um, Christian Panella uh, and, uh, Teal Bunbury. Um, I think Bunbury might be listed as a midfielder. Um, and then, uh, I like Juan Algadello actually. I think that, um, it's been interesting if he starts, um, it's been interesting watching Red Friedel kind of let him have a little bit more of a creative role, um, you know, at the expense of, uh, Lee Wynn being sent to the corner. So, um,
1: <laughs> those
3: are, that's, that's about what I, I see with this game. So.
1: Blaine, Minnesota, Minnesota versus Vancouver.
2: I think this might actually be one of your more exciting games of the weekend. Um, Minnesota's kind of an up-and-down team. They've been putting goals up on almost everybody this year. Defense hasn't looked too bad, but they're still giving up a few goals. I know it's Vancouver on the road, but even when we think they're down, they come out and do something really big. Looks like they've got a lot of depth. Don't know who the starters are to chairs out. So that's going to open it up for somebody else to get another start. Um, really unknown who to look at here. I think this game could be a huge trap for fantasy managers as it could go back and forth. You could easily get a 2-2 score line, 3-3 maybe. Um, I could see both teams actually getting a shutout with the way the offenses tend to go. I don't think Minnesota is going to get shut out, but I mean, there's still a possibility there. Um, Only guys I'm looking at here are Ibsen and Ramirez from Minnesota and maybe Davies for Vancouver in one of those bench otter spots. Yeah, he's down to 6.1 again. And when you don't have some of the other attacking options, he can be the go-to guy. So possible bench options here, but I don't see too much in this game. I'm going to go ahead and say a 2-1 Minnesota scoreline.
1: Mike, the other derby of the weekend, uh, New York Red Bulls versus New York City FC.
0: All right. Well, let's let's talk about this Darby, as Reed says. Um, this is one that you're going to know in the first five minutes how it goes, but it's always kind of hard to tell before that. Uh, if Patrick Vieira tries to come out with his usual style, I, I think the Red Bulls will have success and, and have a pretty uh, pretty strong win against New York City. Now, if Patrick Vieira does what he does, did last year and play more defensive, more compact, kind of – do what uh, teams have done against Red Bulls in the playoffs, and just kind of invite the Red Bulls to try to break them down. I think New York City will have success and at least get a result, if if not the win. Um, so, I think for if you're looking for fantasy-wise in these on either team. Bradley Wright Phillips does like to score against New York City, but I would have pretty much anyone on either side as part of Otteru transferu um, options. I mean, it is one of the early games, so you can have them on your bench, kind of see how it plays out. Because this is kind of a weird one. Um, I mean, historically there have been lots of goals scored, some for one side and then you know flips the the next time. So um, I don't, I don't. There's not a whole lot of like this is definitely a great match. I think there's better matchups fantasy wise. Um, but certainly I could understand going with someone like BWP or David via uh, uh, I'm thinking this is like a one, one draw. Um, but I, if you're going there, I would go with him on auto ruse.
1: And of course the Derby of the weekend is the Kentucky Derby. So New York may be red or blue this weekend, but I'm going to be looking for mint julep green.
0: Wow. <laughs> I, I, I like I, that. I,
1: I, I try. I try I'm being honest to my roots, uh, Parker <laughs> LAFC versus Dallas.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I expect that this one's going to look a lot better than what we saw in LA on Sunday night. Um, that was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, but, um, first hitters, some, something like that. Maybe they, uh, you know, weren't ready to, uh, to be the team that was on the front foot after being on the road for so long. um, <laughs> But, um, you know, I think that this should be like a, a pretty fun open game. Both these teams, um, you know, Dallas at least likes to play a little bit more of an open style and, um, you know, they should, you know, I, I kind of think that Seattle is still struggling and I think that their response to it was just to clog up the the midfield and and it was just kind of a mess of a game um, for them last week. But um, I, I think that uh, Dallas is definitely a little bit more cohesive and fluid in their attack than Seattle. And, you um, I think they should be also able to move the ball through the midfield a bit more with um or at least try to with l a uh, not being strongest in in defensive midfield um, and they could have some success, especially if um, Lawrence Simon decides to go on some adventures as he's prone to from time to time um. I think LA should uh, have some transi- chances in transition, though. I think if you know Bob Bradley gets them back to doing what they had been doing really well in all those road games, where they were just kind of sitting back and absorbing pressure for a little bit, and then just uh, jumping all over teams, um, it it could be a pretty good game for them again. Um, I um, I like I've liked what I've seen out of Carlos Vela a lot this season. Um, it's been interesting to see kind of that he's he's sort of played as, as the number 10 and dropped in the midfield some to find the ball. Um, and I like that also, obviously, from a fantasy perspective, if he's going to get, you know, kind of some of these extra points that your your um, forwards and strikers aren't necessarily getting. Um, so, I mean, looking at this one, I kind of think you'll see some goals. I think uh, you're looking at another, like, 2-1 or even 2-2 game, kind of depending on if LA's defense um, is able to uh, to hold up again. Um I think fantasy picks. You you're looking at these big names for L.A. Bela, um, Rossi, and Simon. Um, if you feel lucky, Simon. And then um, Jordan Harvey is also seems like he's getting some good starting time, and he's cheap. Um, he's under five, I think. Um, so he's he's at least one to look at. Um, I've got him in as a uh, switcheroo this week um, for Dallas on the road. Um, even though I think that they'll they'll have a good game, I I really just think. You're looking at Lamar this
1: week for them. So that's my Dallas pick. Blaine, Seattle versus Columbus.
2: Yeah, um, I really like Seattle in this matchup. Um, LAFC put a lot of pressure on them this weekend, and they held up. It was a fry mistake more than anything that cost them the goal and cost them the clean sheet. And they're doing it with a really kind of random group of defenders here not the guys you would normally expect to be out there. And I think they can replicate that at home against Columbus this week. Um, I know Zardes has kind of cooled off a little bit. Iguain's still a good option, but I just like the way the Seattle defense is playing. Uh, The Roldan brothers in the midfield are really getting work done. And I think Christian Roldan might be one of your highlight players from this team right now as a fantasy option. Been able to get work done. Uh, Ladero's been really good at times and just kind of absent at other times. And Roldan's kind of picked up the slack and been their second guy this year. So those two in the midfield are kind of where I'm going. I would definitely look at defenders here. I think this is one of your better clean sheet chances. And then uh, Will Bruin is still a cheap forward option if you're looking for that third forward, bench forward, Nunatoru, without investing too much money. And with the way the Columbus defense plays, I could see him getting a goal or two in this game. I'm um, not really looking at any Columbus players on this one. I just don't think they're going to get the offense together. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say a 2-0 Seattle win here. Parker, back to you. Chicago versus your Atlanta.
3: Yeah, so I have traumatic memories of the last time the Atlanta went to Chicago. And I think it was right after an international break. So I think that Elmiron and um, I don't know if Joseph was hurt or if he came on, if they both came on kind of in the last half hour. But um, Chicago had a really effective game plan last year where they kind of had um, Schweinsteiger kind of rope it open a little bit and he would drop way back into midfield and wait for somebody to come in and wait for the press to come. And then he'd spring, just <laughs> spring somebody down the wings and, and they really did an effective job at keeping the ball away from Atlanta. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting this year as he's kind of playing like, I don't know what they're doing, like the the five three two, where he's sort of playing like a false center back or something. Um, but I, if, if he's able to kind of play, make a little bit deeper, um, you know, from that sweeper role, um, I think that, uh, I think that they could do some things that will frustrate Atlanta, um, that'll be a little bit different than these teams that have kind of bunkered against them. Um, so far Chicago seems like they've kind of had these younger players that they're giving a chance to, and, and it's kind of worked, but not really. Um, and they really needed kind of that lucky goal from, um, dusting off Alan Gordon um, and putting him in at the end of the Toronto game, um, so I I think that Atlanta is going to have a lot of the ball and be able to come at them. And you're really going to be able to see again on the road um, if Atlanta is is able to do what they did in L.A., where they kind of you know were able to cut apart a team that wasn't wasn't able to to defend very well. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if. Um, if if Tata is also able to make the changes that he did, uh, like he did last week, um, but it should be it should be an interesting game too to see if Atlanta come kind of comes back to uh, to a four defender formation, um, kind of an, either a four three through one or a four three three look, um, and try to build possession a little bit more effectively. So you might get a couple extra bonuses out of uh, a player like Barco Elmeron. Um, so. I think, um, score prediction, I think a 1-1 or maybe a 2-1 to Chicago. Um, I am basically scared, um, for fantasy picks. I think, you know, for Atlanta, you're looking at, um, um, who, um, you know, he's getting all the, he's getting a lot of great points this year so far. Um, Barco is only at $8. Um, so I think that that's definitely a good option if you aren't too, um, worried about the road matchup. And then, um. Uh, Tito Vialba should be back and should be starting. Um, Joseph Martinez has really struggled on the road. He scored his first road goal in LA um, in, I think, a year. Um, So maybe think about staying away from Joseph. Um, For Chicago, um, I mean, it's really hard to pick their players because they've been so inconsistent this year. Um, You know, if you think that they're going to I don't know really where the goals are going to come from. You know, if, if Schweinsteiger again is going to going to be stepping up and and finding the net form again, or or if Nikolic is going to um, be able to kind of get back into form a little bit. Um, and then it's I think that if you if you really really believe in Chicago, you know, looking at some of their defenders, um, Kevin Ellis has been starting a good bit and he's cheap and then um sanchez and goal is also kind of an inexpensive option but I, I still think atlanta at least gets one even if they don't get a result in this one
1: mike houston versus la galaxy
0: well i guess the question here will be whether or not um they can fix the problem with how to get all the players on the field uh, uh matt Doyle wrote a great piece talking about how giovanni dos santos doesn't fit so i don't know what lineup la puts out but we know that is going to put up an attacking first lineup that isn't great at the back. And for me, that's a recipe for a lot of Houston success. Um, I could see LA getting a goal. I don't trust Houston's defense enough to say they're going to get a clean sheet, but I think Houston wins this one, 2-1 one or 3-1. Um, I think Kyoto has been had a few strong weeks. Uh, while Ellis has put up a lot of great expected goals numbers, he hasn't been finishing the chances, which has really hurt his fantasy value. Um, if you think it's going to turn around this week, I, I can blame you for going that. But Kyoto's, I think, he's nine million or seven million. He's ridiculously cheap. I mean, not that price is an object for a lot of people, but if it is, Kyoto's a great option. Um, so definitely look at that. Tomas Martinez kind of got back up uh, this week. He got five points, so he's not an, another option for midfield. Um, I mean, if, I, I don't think we've seen enough from LA. To, to go with Zlatan, um, Zlatin, if that's what we're do, do say now. But um, I, I think Houston players are really good this week.
2: All right, Blaine, your Sporting Kansas City versus Colorado. This is going to be a tough matchup. I know Sporting's been putting up the goals, even without Gutierrez there. But the Colorado defense is a strong unit, and this one I wouldn't expect as high-scoring goals from Kansas City as we've seen lately. Uh, discount the last game, that was just ugly. Um, I do think Gutierrez will be back in this one. I know he's missed a little bit of time. He made a 15-minute appearance two weeks ago, and I'm fairly certain he only sat out the last game because of that awful turf in New England. And so I expect him to be back. So I do give the edge to Kansas City here. And with the way the defense has been playing, I'm going to go ahead and say a 2-0 scoreline. I think you can... Pretty much be sure Gutierrez is going to be involved in a in quite a bit of the offense if he's out there. If he's not, um, you can roll him into Johnny Russell pretty easy. And then look at your defense on this one. I think this is one of your other really good clean sheet chances for the week. You
1: think he goes a full 90,
2: Gutierrez? I think he probably would if he starts. Um, I don't see any reason unless they're up big, late, and they just pull him off for to protect him. But if it's a close game, um, I bet he stays on. All right. Mike, San Jose versus Portland.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to think about this game. I mean, Portland struggled until they got home and then looked better, but now they're on the road again. Uh, and San Jose's defense has has been pretty poor. Um, so I'm guessing this is probably a, a decent scoring game. Uh, I don't know if I trust a, a whole lot of the players. Um, I kind of see this one as Portland – finding their identity, being a counter-attacking team, and being able to get something uh, with Blanco and with Larry kind of nicking one in. Um, I think it's probably like a 2-2 draw. Um, I wouldn't go touch any of the defenders from these places. Um, I would probably maybe do some attackers in, in an auto roof. if I wanted to go there. Uh, I don't know that anyone from San Jose, and we talked about this last week, is dependable enough that I would go with them. I mean, maybe Vacco but that that's about it. Um, in Valerian Blanco would be, I, I think the good sh- uh, shouts from uh, Portland, but I haven't seen enough from Portland on the road to really trust him. So frankly, I'm staying away from this game.
1: All right, Parker, take us home with Orlando versus real Salt Lake.
3: Yeah. So I think that you expect several Orlando players to get arrested in this one. And their fans <laughs> to keep, uh, keep up with the sons of anarchy cosplay. Um, okay. and then for, uh, RSL, um, you guys don't think Jason's gonna hear this, do you? Um, but they're terrible. Um, I can't, you know, they can't the score
1: the hairs in the back of his neck just stood up.
3: <laughs> you know, they can't score. They can't keep the ball out of the goal either. Um, they lost last weekend to Vancouver's B team, which is just a B team of their original B team. And then <laughs> um like um Orlando's been begrudgingly good this year. Um you know, they've put together just a not embarrassing season at this point, and um, kind of to that point, they've uh, they've matched half of their win total from last year with five. Um, so good for them. Um, uh, but I, I think that they're going to come out and be able to just run all over um, Real Salt Lake, and, and it really won't be close. They've done some good things. Um, and I, I think that, uh, Jason Christ has done a good job of kind of working all of the new pieces that they've added, um, in the off season together. And they've, they've kind of found a good rhythm. Um, I think that this is one of those, those just blowout games where Orlando comes out and like hangs three or four, um, on Real Salt Lake. And I, I think that you even see a clean sheet, um, in this one. So, uh, fantasy picks. I think um, you know as long as he doesn't miss any penalties, Sasha question should uh, have an okay game. Um, and that's also as long as MLS doesn't decide to stop counting hockey assists. Um, Dom Dwyer is gonna do do his thing where he's the American Diego Costa and flop over in the box while beating on defenders, and he's at home and should get away with a lot of that. And then um, defensively, um, Lamine, uh, or Lamane uh, San. Um, I think that he's, he's definitely a good pick. He's kind of worked his way into the starting lineup. Um, and I even like uh, Joe Bednick and goal. Um, I think that this, like I said, it's a good, a good shout for a clean sheet. Um, I think, um, you know, if you really have a lot of faith and think that RSL finds their form in this game, I, I don't. Um, but um, if you're a hopeless Homer, um, Albert Rusnak, uh could have a good game, you know. You're looking at him and and Gail Plata, but aside from that, I think that Orlando gets their chances, um, and so I'd stay away from their defenders.
1: All right, thank you guys for those game breakdowns. Now, time for our chalkboard picks. Mike, who are your keepers?
0: Uh, I have Bono is the first part of the keeper rule. Um, second part of that, if he doesn't, if that doesn't work out, is Tamilia.
3: Parker. Yeah, um, I have um, uh, Bono and um, next,
2: Blaine, and I've got Bono into Fry. Defenders, Parker.
3: Um, so I've kind of got a lot going on. Um, I like Toronto, so I've got uh, Vanderwiel, um, Sane, and then uh, Powell and Harvey.
1: Blaine.
2: Um, right now I've got Morrow and Marshall in there, and I don't know who my other ones are going to be.
1: It's fair, I guess. Yeah.
2: Defenders have been some of the hardest ones for me to choose this year as well. And I've been, I've been really rotating my defenders hard, depending on how game weeks go. Uh, I've got, I guess I can expand a little bit. I've got Moro in there is the early part of an auto and If he gives me the good score, that'll free up some money to do other things. Um, but he's going to be in that auto spot, So if he really does poorly, I may have to shift some money around and figure out what's going on with the rest of my defense. And that's one reason why I haven't been picking a defense until the last minute. And it sometimes hurts. But if you hit that auto ride, it really pays off well. Mike?
0: All right. Um, I have Zussi, Waston, and then in the auto right now is Vanderweel and Simon.
2: All right. Midfielders, Blaine. Um for sure starting this week, because I'm not going to second guess myself again. I've got Almiron, Piati, Gutierrez, and Yotun. And then I've got Asorio on the bench in an autoroo spot right now.
0: Uh yeah, I've got um Valeri, Yotun, Schweinsteiger, and uh, right now I have Delgado. But it's kind of basically like a whoever, whatever Toronto mid starts <laughs> placeholder. Parker.
3: Um, I've got um, Valeri, Piotti, um, Johnny Russell, and uh, right now I have Barco. Mm. Four words, Mike.
0: Uh, Giovinco, Dwyer, and Kyoto. Parker.
3: Got um got Gio, Elise, and uh, Darwin Quintero. Blaine.
2: I've got Dwyer, Vea, and uh, Giovinco in an auto reel.
1: Captains. Parker.
3: Um, put me on the spot. I'll uh, um, probably end up going with Elise. Blaine.
2: Uh, I'm starting with Piotti with the armband, but I want to see those lineups and see where he lines up and what the rest of the squad looks like. If I don't like the looks of Montreal, I'm going to go to Gutierrez. Mike.
0: Sebastian Giovico.
2: And finally, clean sheet predictions, Blaine. I had Seattle down as my one, and who was my other one? Sorry, you're putting me on the spot now. Yeah, I think it's just uh, Seattle and SKC. That's the other one. Forget my own team. (laughs) Uh,
0: I have um, TFC and uh, SKC.
2: Parker I
1: have uh, Toronto and Orlando. All right. Thank you guys so much for all those game breakdowns and player picks. I hope everyone listening tonight found that helpful and getting their teams all ready for round 10. <laughs> Moving on to our league update. Uh, Phil, who was on the show with us last week, bounces back and takes down Jason pretty easily. Uh, our big matchup between, uh, European fantasy site friends fantasy football 24-7 and fantasy football first ends up with a fantasy football first victory so congrats to Ivan uh Tim pretty pretty good smackdown on you Blaine what was about uh about 15 points something like that yep uh Andrew Crawler just slipped past Mike not maybe four or five for that Mike so not not too bad both you guys in that 80 range I believe uh, I got taken down by older goaler pretty easily. He was uh, maybe about 10 points more than I had this round. Uh, but the top score, as we mentioned earlier, only one person got over a hundred, over I mean three digits, over double digits. So Ryan Anderson, who writes the stats articles over at MLS fantasy boss had 101 points. So congrats, man, for that. Um, you're not in our head to head, are you, Parker? Yeah.
3: Um. That's a good question. I haven't been looking so much at the head to head. (laughs)
1: That's where it's at this year. I feel like had several questions, uh, my, the most fun question I had on Twitter was someone sent me the picture of their head to head team versus the other head to head team, which I hate that you can see the other team right now, but they said, Hey, I'm already winning by 10 points. Uh, we each have two spots left. If I just switch my players to be the ones that they have, so I'm guaranteed to win. Is that a dick move? And I was like, yeah, but do it. So, (laughs) um, And it was for simon so i mean it ended up it would have worked for if he did so hope that worked out for you but yeah uh head-to-head's been a lot of fun this year i think maybe maybe it's more fun because you can see the other team i don't know weigh in on that tell us how your head-to-heads are going Uh, and then of course things are going crazy over in the uh, patreon league that we have it's not a head-to-head league this year just because of some of the restrictions that we had. But uh, it's it's going back and forth. Alex Bruni and Alex Rosheim are bouncing back and forth between first and second place. They're pretty close with Chicken Bucket FC and change name there for Alex Rosheim. That is all that we have for the show tonight. Time for our final plugs. Mike
0: um it's a two-year anniversary of mls injury news so just thanks to everybody who's uh supported that uh twitter account and thank you all so much for the help you've given me over the years
2: blaine yeah just keep looking out for the articles on mls fantasy boss and look out for the may the fourth episode coming up i think we're gonna have a fun one for everybody
1: definitely oh yeah parker
3: yeah, check me out on uh, DirtySouthSoccer.com and over on um, Stars and Stripes FC. Um, we're doing a little bit more MLS coverage this year in Stars and Stripes, so I'm doing a weekly post kind of looking at uh, Americans and MLS.
1: And, of course, you can catch everything I have over at MLSFantasyBoss.com. I also write a weekly picks article over at MLSSoccer.com. Uh, lots of times I uh, appear on Sirius XM Radio with Jason Davis for uh, – the Free Talk Fan Friday that they do on the United States of Soccer. And uh, then head over to r slash fantasy MLS, the subreddit over there for a great fantasy community that's got all kinds of uh, stats and, and polls and, and just great little articles that people submit, uh, all community-driven, so it's a great time. And I hope you all enjoy all of that. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Good luck.